0: accordingly also a good way to communicate prayer requests for us um, so please make note of how we can be praying for you uh, at this time in your life and put that on that same slip drop it in the bucket on your way out and we will take it from there Um, let's see i left my uh, bible somewhere because i was drumming yeah yep that's it back there Um, let's go straight to ministry fair today after church Um, what that's oh yeah I don't know where my bible went Eh, yeah it's overrated (laughs) just kidding my notes my notes you are a beautiful soul Thank thank you yeah ministry fair today so for example if you know how to play the drums <laughs> you could sign up at the worship team table to play drums if you uh, you know whatever I'm just I'm not being directive just suggestive <laughs> not looking I am looking at someone in particular but not really anyone at least one particular yes um, I don't really, I didn't hear that, I don't hear no's. Uh, So here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a lot of fun, we're going to have some food and some fellowship, and then you are going to circulate around to the people with clipboards and try to understand what they do at Hope and how their stuff works. You are a beautiful man. (laughs) That is it, yes, thank you. All right. And there will be uh, some ministry areas that you need to be a member to be a part of, like if you're going to teach our kids, we want you to be in the accountability of being a member of HOPE, and we also will run a background check and a few other things to secure the safety of that ministry. Um, If you want to be a greeter, you don't need to be a member to greet people, you just need to be nice, right? Right? So you get the idea, but you can find out from those ministry team leaders what, you know, the prerequisites are for being a part of that team, and then uh, sign up and figure out where you fit in, what you want to do, and we would love to have you part of the fabric of this church, and the best way to do that is to roll up your sleeves and get involved. So that's coming up after church. We will feed you. I think I said that already, but that's the most important part, really. So, all right. So in September, we're going to start two different small groups called Reboot. And the first of those is a reboot for combat veterans that will be meeting on Saturday mornings. It is a 12-week course for dealing with, post-traumatic stress disorder that is usually combat, it doesn't have to be combat related, they just have to be a combat veteran. and uh, So that will be on Saturday morning. It is for those veterans and their spouses. uh, And and we actually have a few couples in this church where both spouses are veterans. So uh, that would be open to them as well. But that will be a great place to come together and sort of process what your past traumas were with other supportive people who understand the context in which you served and then there will be other opportunities to sign up to support that course like if you want to bring a breakfast one Saturday morning like breakfast tacos or something like that you can sign up to do that and um, that will be available at the small groups table uh, Jack raise your hand so Jack's going to be, and Yolanda, are going to be receiving those signups, and John Davern as well. Not sure where John is. He's probably down there making sure we're safe. Um, we also have a new uh, security team that we are rolling out. Uh, for those of you who are interested in helping to provide security at Hope Church, talk to John Davern uh, during the ministry fair. He will kind of explain how that works and what that means and all that. Um, There will be a second reboot class for anyone. You could be military, you could be non-military, but that's going to be on Tuesday nights starting at 6 here in the Hope Church building. And that course is for anyone dealing with any kind of trauma from their past. uh, You can come together in that context. also a 12-week course beginning in September. Those details are in your bulletin, and they will be uh, at the ministry fair as well. Are we doing food for that one too, John? Uh, yeah. So you you can sign up to bring a meal to drop off a meal for that Tuesday night reboot if you would like to do that. Um, and there will be opportunities also to sign up to drop off a meal at youth group on Sunday nights. For we have a about an eight week run or really seven week run where we're looking for people who can come and drop off a meal for our youth and their mentors. Uh, this fall during youth group Bible studies. So there'll be lots of opportunities like that you can sign up for, and I uh, hope you will stick around, have some food, some fun, and figure out where God wants you involved. Uh, we do have um, details we'll be developing for our trip to Lockhart in November. On the 13th, um, Reverend Dr. Fritz Williams has invited me to preach at First Baptist Lockhart, uh, so... We're just going to all, everybody that wants to, we're going to go to Lockhart uh, and worship there, and we will have a live feed here for anyone who who can't or, you know, just for logistical reasons can't make the trip. Uh, That will be here and on our live stream, so you can participate any of those ways you wish, and we will then, um, you know, after the service, have a big barbecue lunch in Lockhart. You get the idea. Yes, so I will need help figuring that out because Jackie's going to be out of town, so tragic. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. It's all good. There you go. (laughs) You probably could, but I want you to have a good vacation with your husband. Yeah, all right, good. But if, like, he goes fishing or something, you can zoom in. Yeah, there you go. Okay, awesome. So, okay, so that's some or most or a lot of what's going on, encourage you to stick around after church and check out where you fit in and what you want to do. Uh, I will say this, we highly encourage you to sign up uh, for things that really suit you and who you are. That way you're not like hating it uh, five weeks later. You're doing something that you enjoy and that kind of comes naturally to you. So please keep that in mind when you're signing up for things. Do do things that, that give you energy. That's what we want. That's the vibe we want to create around here. So everybody's happy to be at Hope. All right. So Darden, why don't you head up here. Uh, So this is going to be fun to explain. Um, Always fun to explain. Uh, So do you remember how we met, honey?
1: It was at the end of a uh, of a Greek class. My wife and I, Belinda and I, were having a party. This was in seminary. And Tom said, "I'm not going to use this. I'm just going to move." Okay. (laughs) Tom and I, uh, or Tom and uh, another friend of ours, uh, were sitting together at the back of the class. I don't know, making making jokes. And uh, we, I went up and said, "We're going to have a we're going to have a party. Just you know, first whatever week or two weeks or whatever it was, we're going to have a party. And uh, you all want to come?" And he said, "Is it going to be beer?" I said yes and they said sure and we've been friends ever since. There you go. So uh, yeah, I mean,
0: that's so I it. mean, we went through like Koine Greek together. Mm. We're eternally bonded whether we like each other or not. I We're have PTSD. Like, can yes, I come to You can come to <laughs> Reboot for that. Um, <sighs> and uh so we became friends in seminary and then when Kathy and I began exploring the possibility of coming to San Antonio to begin the work that would become hope church uh... we asked darden and belinda to pray about joining us here and they um, i guess didn't discern the holy spirit well enough to say no
1: well belinda said no the first time she said we can pray about it but we're never going to texas
0: there you go <laughs> alright how'd <laughs> that, that work out for you very not very good <laughs> um, so they were they were here from the very beginning of hope church our, our first uh, we did about five weeks of pre launch yeah, worship yeah, services, yeah. kind of just to make sure we had all our kinks worked out. And uh, Darden and Belinda came on about that time, and we're here until you abandoned us in 2007, I think it was. I was
1: sent out by the Holy Spirit the to do we the we work d- We
0: were. <laughs> and, we d- we, you know, and so we partnered with Darden and Belinda to. Uh, help plant a church in St. Peter's Missouri outside of St. Louis which doesn't exist anymore so
1: thank you but <laughs> <laughs> well another story i but mean uh, but no it no, work, works no works church ever right. ceases to exist no, 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 no.
0: right it's it's part of this eternal ether of of god's work on earth and the work and and fruit of that ministry is still being born out in people's hearts and I lives and souls and so i can
1: still see the face of the of the four different dads i baptized when i was baptizing their babies that's awesome. That's the dads and the babies together, so it's kind of cool. Very book of acts like. I know. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's almost like the spirit went before us
0: and Right. And it's crazy. So, um, uh, they now live in St. Peters and their daughter is starting at UTSA this fall as a freshman, and so they're down to see her off and I thought it would be good to share him with you this morning since he's here. Like yeah, why not,
1: you know. Tom likes to put me up here when I'm kind of weepy and Getting ready to do something really, really difficult, like leave my youngest with y'all. So, so this is going to be good. <laughs> She'll be in good gu- a good place. I have no doubt yes. about it. I, I'm. There are other places that could have been so much worse.
0: True. So, but uh, so why don't we uh, invite the kids forward, all the important people, and just, I'll just I'll the important people. If you are in fifth grade or
1: younger, and all we invite it. you down at this time. Let's sit, let's sit to this side because because I don't. You coming over here? Yeah, I'm going to come over to this side. Well, I can just leave it to you. You can. I got it. I I got it. I I almost trust you. I I uh, (laughs) uh, Kathy is in the back tonight uh, today with the kids, and she was working on what she was going to teach this morning, and asked what I was going to preach about, and and so I gave her all my best stuff that I was going to do here, and so she's going to do it back there. You're going to have a really great time back there, I promise. Um, and and now y'all are over there. How about we come to this side? Can y'all see me over here? Oh gee.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's smiling at me. All right. See, I I have to stand so far back to be on that camera, because I'm short. Like this is okay. Anyway, so I I'm kind of short. I mean, have you seen the people around us? Everybody's, anyway, anyway, um, who, who, who uh, I'm going to try to teach you something different today. I'm going to try to teach you something new. Maybe you guys do this here. I can't remember. Um, I'm going to read a really short passage. It's only got like eight words in it, right? And then when I finish, I want you to say something in response. I'm going I'm to read it, and then I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and I'm going to have you guys say, thanks be to God. Can you do that? Yeah. Thanks be to God. Let's practice it. Thanks be to God. Excellent. All right, so I'm going to read a passage. Really short passage. First, I'm going to put on my glasses because I can't see. All right, so this comes out of Romans, and it says, "Be constant in prayer, continue, uh, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality." Who knows what hospitality is? Anyone? Who knows what a hospital is? everyone okay so hospital and hospitality those words are kind of related hospital comes from the word that we get hospitality from and what hospitality means is kind of caring for people taking care of their needs um you ever had a friend stay overnight you ever had a friend stay overnight did you did you make them sleep outside no no what'd you do you stayed in your bedroom right right? Because you wanted them to feel comfortable and welcome. So you had them come in, and they stayed in your bedroom. That's hospitality. Or have you ever had someone over for dinner, or maybe your parents had someone over for dinner you didn't know very well, and you sat, and you had dinner with them? It's kind of weird, because you didn't know what to say, and didn't really want to be there, because mom and dad have friends over, and you're like, ah. but 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 y- remember you remember those times, right? That's called hospitality as well. We're, we're caring for the needs of people, and what God is saying here is we're supposed to Show hospitality to people. Care for them when they have needs. We're supposed to reach out and meet those needs. What's your question? D- or comment. I took it apart pen and put it back together. You know what? I did that one time and it bled all over my shirt, so be very careful. I Not that par- particular pen. But I do it a lot. You do it a lot. Well don't put it in, don't put it in any pockets on your dress. <laughs> Just saying. It's okay. All right. So, Miss Kathy is going to teach you more about what hospitality means, and you guys are actually going to get an opportunity to try it out with one another. So, how about I pray for you, and then you guys can go back to the back? Thanks, BD. Thank, yes, thanks, BD. Oh, you can pray for me. I will pray for you. I'm going to put it right here. Wait, I'm going to put it right here because if I put it right here, this is actually Tom's Bible. What kind of pastor goes across the country to see his daughter often forgets his Bible when he knows he's preaching? Oh, I didn't do that, did I? No. Oh well. All right. So. See, this is what you get when this is what you get you get when you get second string. You know, <laughs> second string is in. All right. Sorry about that. I apologize. So, I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to do thanks be to God, right? So, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. And then I say, "This is the word of the Lord," and you all say, Excellent job. How about I pray for you, and then we can go. Lord Jesus, thank you for children. Thank you for what they teach us about uh, our relationship with you. Uh, thank you that they come with questions and eagerness that we may lose as adults, and we pray that uh, as they go and continue to learn, we would seek you out um, as we hear your word preached, as I bring the word, Lord, that you would, you would uh, help us to seek you out the way children seek out information and knowledge and joy. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. If you have questions about... Thanks, be to God. If you have questions about hospitality, ask Pastor Tom. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, whatever. All right. So I am Darden Kaler. I... This is really hard for me. I like to be out here. But then I'm just this head on the screen right at the bottom. It's really awkward. So, all right. I digress. Okay. Um... So there, when when Tom asked me to preach, a, a, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, you know, he asked me if I'm interested in preaching every time we come down to visit, and I, I often say, you know, I, I I mean I'm a pastor, I work at a church, so I am okay with just having the Sunday off and sitting, and generally he's okay with that. But he said, he kind of said you're going to preach, and uh, I was I was you know, and I was a little like, why is it so important this particular time? But uh, then then Pastor Fritz preached last week. And then I realized, oh, Tom (laughs) didn't want to follow Pastor Fritz. (laughs) I get it. Now I know why I'm here. Ah, yeah. yeah. Pastor Pastor Fritz was, uh, if you missed it, I recommend, is it on? uh, Do you guys keep them posted on the web? It's on the website. So go to the website, listen to it, watch it. I, I can't match his uh, dynamic or his his style or his entertaining ability or or probably even the information that he gives. Um, but what I can't match in any of those things, I can I can match in length. So I'm going to go about an hour today, <laughs> and um, we'll be done at about noon. So uh, also uh, the other reason I realized maybe maybe this is the reason Tom wanted me to preach was that uh, happy anniversary to Tom and Kathy. Uh, I only see those things if it shows up on my calendar, and I haven't paid any attention to my calendar this week because I've been on vacation. Um, so I didn't know it until Kathy mentioned it this morning, and I was like, oh, <laughs> happy anniversary. <Yeah. laughs> We're staying at their house, so it was a little awkward to, to be there on their anniversary. <laughs> We're leaving today, so, yeah, anyway, anyway. This is going to be fun for y'all. <laughs> I'm a little scattered this morning, and that's great. Um, so I, So I grew up in Iowa. Uh, who knows where Iowa is? Anybody? Uh, All right. A few people. Thank you. Thank you. Christy grew up in Missouri, so of <laughs> course she knows where Iowa is. It's the hat of Missouri or the bottoms of Minnesota. I, that's probably not the best way of looking at it. But I grew up in Iowa, and um, Iowans are often known as being kind of direct and blunt. You know, they they, they when, we, when we moved here a number of years ago and my wife and I were leading worship, uh, there were a number of, of ladies on the worship team that were concerned about us because we just say, you're not doing that right. You know, there isn't, there isn't a lot of sugarcoating or anything, and so Iowans, y- you know, they're like, are you guys okay? We're like, yeah, this is just how we communicate. I mean, this is how everybody in Iowa communicates. You just say what you need, and you get it. Um, so there's no bless your heart or any kind of thing like that. Uh, we, just, we just say what we need. And, and, uh, but that doesn't mean Iowans are unfriendly. Uh, I grew up in, this house that, uh, in, a, in a house that had an open-door policy, my parents believed that, um, you know, God had given them things. Not, not a lot. It wasn't a big house. I think it was 920 square feet for six of us. Uh, one bathroom it was a disaster. Uh, but, but, it, but it worked, right? And so we had this open-door policy at our house. People were coming and going all the time. My mother actually had an in, in-home daycare, so that was part of it. Kids were coming, and even after, my, even after my mother would stop watching kids, they would come over and they would go to the refrigerator and they'd grab something to eat, And they'd, you know, because it had been home to them for so long. And so that policy sort of extended to their families and to our friends and to our relatives and neighbors, just people who ever wanted to drop by without announcement or uh, without just you know, having any sort of reason for being there, people would just stop by. And oftentimes when they came by, they, they didn't knock or, or they just came in. Sometimes when they came in, uh, they would come in, they would take off their shoes, and they would go over to the, to the recliner and they'd pop it up and they'd sit in the recliner and walk. They wouldn't even necessarily say, they'd say, hey, but there was no reason for them to be there. They just wanted to hang out with somebody. And that was the kind of place that I grew up. Occasionally people would come in and they would say, hey, and they'd walk by because uh, we had this small living room that was right where the front door was. They'd walk by my parents, and they'd go to the, go to the kitchen, and they'd open the fridge, and they'd grab a glass of tea or a, a glass of water or whatever else, a soda that they might find. Just, just, and then they'd come in, and they'd sit down, and what's up? What's going on? No particular reason, just people stopping by. It was such a common happening in our house. I honestly believed for the longest time growing up that that, that was the way everybody lived. You just walk into people's houses. Why not? That's what happened in my house. I, I learned that it wasn't. The first time um, Belinda and I started dating when I was a freshman in high school, I walked into her house unannounced and her dad was sitting there and he's like, uh... <laughs> and I was like, maybe this wasn't the best idea in the world. I later, I later learned that was sort of a, a, a sign of endearment. He liked me because he grunted uh, and you know, he acknowledged that I existed. So that was a good thing. And, and, and I later learned that that was true, but not everybody lives that way, right? Um, I had friends whose parents were very formal, and you knock on the door, and you wait for somebody to come in, and you call them Mr. and Mrs. whatever, and you know all that sort of thing. But that's not how I was raised. And because that's not how I was raised, and because that's not really how Belinda was raised, we sort of sought to create a place in our own homes, uh, in the the multiple homes that we've had. We've had three different places now that we've lived. Um, We've sought to create a place that was very much the same as what I grew up with. People could come in any time that they wanted. People could just hang out. They didn't have to have a reason for being there. I mean, it got more complicated when we had kids. But generally speaking, we still like to do that today. We've put some, we've put some parameters on it, though. We had an incident when we lived here. Um, back then, Hope Church didn't have a building. And so we had worship practice at our house every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Worship team would show up at six thirty. Typically, some people would come a little bit later, but you know they got there to warm up and so on. But we always said, "Make yourself at home. This is God's house. You know what I've got is wh- what I've got is what you've got. So make yourself at home. Do whatever you need. Get whatever you need. Come on in." Uh, but one time, Josh, our oldest, was about to, oh golly, he must have been in fourth grade, maybe third grade. I, w- I had just gotten out of the shower, Belinda was napping, you know, young kids, mom needs a nap, I get it, I, you know, uh, I just got out of the shower, I was toweling off, Josh comes into the bedroom, he's like, dad, 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 I'm going to call the guy Jack, because I don't want to, he's not here, he doesn't go here any longer, but still, uh, some of you know him, um, <laughs> and so uh, he says, Jack, and I said, yeah, Jack's coming over later, Jack's going to come over later, he, he, he'll, he's on the worship team tonight, and he said, no, no, no jack is downstairs and i said no jack is coming later He said no no jack is downstairs eating ice cream (laughs) so i got dressed went downstairs and sure enough there's jack shoes off feet up recliner back watching spongebob with jonas my second oldest uh and and eating ice cream and he says to me jonas could you bring me my water he says to me uh hey I got here a little early. I got off work early. I didn't want to drive all the way home and then drive all the way back up here. Thank you, sir. Uh, I didn't want to drive all the way home and drive all the way back up here. So uh, I just I just came early. I hope that's okay. Uh, And and I hope it's okay. I'm eating some of God's ice cream. And I went, (laughs) I can't hardly argue with that. I mean, it was awkward and it was weird. And we now say to people, if we're expecting you, come on in. You know, if we're having a Labor Day party or Memorial Day party, just come on in. You don't have to knock for whatever reason. Come on in. If we're not expecting you, you don't want to see me getting out of the shower or anything weird like that. So just you, just let us know you're here at least. Don't don't start making yourself home until you're like, "Hey, <laughs> I'm downstairs," you know, th- let us know kind of thing. But that's what hospitality looks like, right? Hospitality is this thing where we're inviting people into our lives, whether we're here at, in God's house or, or at home or at work, we're inviting people into our lives and we're caring for their needs. We're, we're doing things that, that make them feel comfortable, that make them feel uh, like they're loved and cared for, and that make them want to be there. My mother just sold her house just last year. And even till one of the kids that she cared for, the in, in-home daycare, lived next door, grew up next door, he didn't live there anymore, but when he would come to see his mom, he still walked into her house and would go to the refrigerator and grab something to eat. That's, that's, that's what hospitality looks like. I'm not saying you all have to let people just walk into your house, but there's this mindset that goes with it, right? There's this idea that what we're doing is we're allowing people to come in, we're welcoming them and making them feel so comfortable that what they want is to be there where you are, wherever you've created that sense of hospitality. So Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that hospitality is hospitable treatment or reception of others. Now, this this is a rule of thumb for you. If your dictionary uses a form of the word to define the word, it's not a very good dictionary. Get a different dictionary because you can't I had, a, had a, a, an eighth grade uh, drafting teacher that said, You can't define gobbledygook as gobbledygook because that's not a definition. You're just saying the word over again, right? You can't define hospitality as being hospitable. That's useless. What does it mean to actually be hospitable? So I looked up the Cambridge Dictionary online, right? And it says, To be given to generous and cordial reception, very formal. But you get the idea. Uh, The Harper's Bible Dictionary says, it's an act of friendship shown to a visitor, regardless of whether they're a friend, a relative, or a complete stranger. The idea of hospitality is derived from a Latin Latin word, uh, which is hospice. Uh, I didn't take Latin, so I had to look that up. Hospice, um, which means host or guest or stranger. And from that word, we get the words for host, hospice, hospice. Hostile, hostile, hospital, hotel. We even get the words for enemy. <laughs> Different. You have to go back to the Latin for that, and I, I won't go into that right now. But the idea is that it's this connection. There's this, uh, the, the, the in, in Latin, they had this word that they could, that it could and, and and it demonstrated the vast way that we care for people and we engage people. Throughout history, hospitality has been an honored practice. But if you look around these days, I suspect all of us have been in situations where we go, well, that wasn't the most hospitable environment I've ever been in. Uh, If if you're looking for a place where that might be true, get on Facebook (laughs) or get on Twitter. It's It's not a very hospitable environment anymore. People are angry, people are upset, people are agitated, people are afraid. People are concerned, people are anxious, people are worried. And what they do, what we do when those things are true is we lash out, and we're not very hospitable. And so hospitable, hospitality has sort of fallen out of practice and fallen out of favor. And, and really, it's quite understandable. COVID was scary for a lot of people. I get it. Crime on the rise, that's scary. When we look at those tor- sorts of things, when we watch the news and we see all this bad news that's happening in the world around us, what, what we do is we, we begin to internalize that and we go, oh, it's a scary world. It's, it's scary enough that I don't even want to invite my m- people that I know into my house, let alone complete strangers. That seems totally crazy. But for Christians, the Bible has a lot to say about hospitality. It has a lot to say about the way we are supposed to treat one another, treat fellow believers in Christ, but also treat complete strangers. Leviticus 24, for example. Love the sojourner, which means the traveler. Love the sojourner because you were sojourners in Egypt, right? They needed other people's help to get out of Egypt. I mean, they had God, and that was plenty, but God provided them other places, other things that they could use, other opportunities Again, in the New Testament, Galatians 6, 10. Um, so then, as you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Hospitality. Showing caring and kindness and compassion and caring for the needs and seeing to the needs of those around us. Of course, the best example of hospitality comes from God himself, right? God is a, is a very hospitable God, you might actually say that he is the preeminent host because he calls us in and provides, cares for, loves, nourishes, builds up, strengthens, and so on, and so on. One of the passages that demonstrates this best then is John 14, 1 through 6, right? Um, the word hospitality doesn't actually appear in the passage at all. It's nowhere in the passage. But what is being the picture that's sort of being painted by Christ is this picture of a God who says, I want you to be with me, that where I am, you may also be, right? A, a God that says invites in his people, welcomes them in it so that he can care for them and love them and encourage them and strengthen them and build them up. So we're going to read John 14, one through, 1 through 6. And at the end, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you all are going to say, Awesome. All right. You guys picked up on that. You're quick. You're quick. Okay. This is John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, of course it was Thomas, Thomas said to the Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. The hospitality that Jesus describes in this passage is is intrinsically linked to our salvation. It's something that can't be separated for, for God to, to invite someone in, he's inviting them in not just to his presence, but he's saying, I will forgive your sins. I will save you from your sins. I will redeem you. I will restore the relationship that we have. I'll bring it back to the way it was supposed to be. Remember in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the garden. But more importantly than being banished from the garden, they were banished from God's presence from his immediate presence. It didn't mean that God wasn't with them wherever they went. It just meant that that they could no longer walk with God in the garden. They could no longer have this direct, intimate contact that they had had. They were banished from that because of their sin. But what we see in this passage, in John 14, we see sort of the exact opposite happening. Jesus is inviting believers. He's inviting his people, his followers, back in and saying, you can be with God. I'm preparing a place where we will all be together, and you can be in God's immediate presence. It's the same idea that David expressed in Psalm 23 many, 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 many years earlier. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God has always been inviting his people in. God has always been inviting his people in, welcoming welcoming them in to be with him and to be in his presence, that they may experience all that he has to give them, that they may experience his redemption and his love and his grace and mercy and all the things we really ultimately long for in this world, but simply cannot find anywhere else but Christ. It's no coincidence that we read this passage at funerals, right? Uh, you, You know, psalm 23 is the the lord is my shepherd we this gets read at funerals and at gravesites all the time why because it brings this level of comfort and this level of peace that that really very few other things can bring there's just something about the words that god strung together there that makes people go i get it I understand, I believe, that that is my faith. I want that. I want to be with God. I want to be in his presence. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gives the believer peace. Reminds us that we will be in God's presence. And John 14 then shows us that, what, that this peace is, is tied to the hospitality of God. It's connected to how he loves us and how he cares for us. Christ's promise of God's hospitality should or does give us peace. It does give us peace. I should have said this backwards. It does give us peace. And, and if it doesn't, it should. Because he's assuring us that we will be in his presence forever. We will be connected to him. We'll have that relationship that Adam and Eve once had. And, and, and all things will be restored. All things will be made new. No more death. No more dying. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more separation from loved ones. Nothing will all be good. Into the Lord of the Rings, in the book, not the, not the movies. Into the Lord of the Rings, there's this great illustration where where uh, 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 Sam sees sees uh, Gandalf, the, the wizard. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, raise your hand for just a second. Okay, thank you. Uh, into the Lord of the Rings, it's Sam sees this the, the wizard for the first time, and he's like, I, I thought you were dead, but then again, I thought I was dead. Are all bad things going to come undone? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Totally in the presence of God, all bad things come undone. All things that we do not understand in this world suddenly make sense. And we go, oh, okay. I, I, it's all good. It's all good. God himself will provide for all our needs, and it will give us peace and so what we are called to do as believers is to welcome others in just as christ welcomes us we're called to be the hospitable ones it doesn't mean we're not going to have bad days where we just don't feel very hospitable but it means that generally speaking as his people together we're bound together not just to wall ourselves off because gosh it is tempting to go those people out there are crazy i love you all but them out there they're crazy But what we need to say is, they out there need what we have, and only we can tell them about it. Our job is to welcome them in the way Christ welcomes us. We're called to invite others into God's presence. Invite others in so they too can experience the peace and the hope and the joy that comes from knowing him. Whether we're in our homes or at work or in our communities or here, most importantly here at church, that's what the call of the Christian is bringing others into the presence of God. It's not always easy, but it is the main call that we have. Now, it's important to understand when we talk about hospitality, the hospitality of our day is not exactly the same as it was back then. It's not exactly the same as what Jesus is talking about. Um, Unlike the hospitality in our culture, which is often very casual, right? You invite somebody over for dinner, they come over I'm guessing, I mean, maybe some of you really like really formal dinners and you always have people over for formal dinners. But for the most part, you throw some chicken on the table (laughs) and a salad and maybe there's some beer or some wine or some soda or whatever or water or whatever. And and you, you, you just sit around. It's like a family dinner, right? Everybody sort of just grabs what they want and... That's, that's very informal. It's very casual. It's voluntary. We don't have to do it. It's not required of our government. It's not required anywhere in our culture. So it's, it, it's different than the way it was back in Jesus' day. Because back then, in the ancient Near East, hospitality was not just a courtesy that was offered. It was a requirement. It wasn't voluntary. It was a requirement. It was something that, that was expected of every individual. Why? Because the fact is, is that things were different then. The world was dangerous, just as it is today, but dangerous in a different way. So hospitality wasn't just a courtesy, but an obligation. It was governed by very specific um, customs and, and unwritten rules. Maybe there were written rules, but rules that sort of said, this is what you're expected to do when a visitor comes your way, or when a stranger knocks on your door at night and says, I need a place to stay. This was the expectation. We may think of it as entertaining friends, but back then, hospitality was more akin to sort of hosting strangers, right? The way you might host a, a missionary. A missionary comes to town. Um, I know uh, uh, Cuba. Uh, Miguel. Miguel. Miguel comes to town. Maybe some of you have had him over for dinner. You did, probably didn't know him before, but that's that's hospitality. That's the hospitality Jesus is talking about here. Uh, so it, it could be hosting a missionary. It could be an exchange student. It could be a college student from out of town, although... My daughter doesn't know Tom and Kathy, so it's a little bit different. But you get the idea. It's, it's putting someone up and caring for their needs, making sure they're loved, making sure they're cared for, nourished, and so on. And so even though friendships were not uh, necessarily the, the, the reason that hospitality was shown, ultimately, if you spend enough time with somebody, you're going to have some kind of relationship, Right. I mean, occasionally, I suppose there would be opportunities or times when, when uh, people would show hospitality and the stranger would leave and everybody would go, Phew, thank God that's over. But, but the goal was to make them leave and feel so good about it that they were like, that was awesome. I love those people. I want to do that again. And then they are like relatives and they're there all the time and you can't get rid of them. But, uh, but, you know, and relatives and fish smell after three days and so you should have to... Uh, uh, I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyway, that's just a joke. So hospitality was something that that often developed into friendships, developed into a relationship. Bonding took place. People became closer. They may never see one another again, but they remembered the kindness that the guy in the town way, way off showed them. And then they went, oh, you know what? I, I can do that. When I'm in my own home, I can do that. I can show that same kind of kindness to someone else. And so that's the cultural context that Jesus is speaking into today. That's the, that's the context in which he makes the promise of God's hospitality to his people, to us, right? And so he's inviting us into that same sort of peace that, you, that, that those people in, in ancient Near East times were, in, were called to give to others. He's inviting us into that same idea of saying, I will care for you. I will will provide for whatever you need. I will be that person for you. And so what we see is three things in this passage that that come out of that. Um, Christ welcomes us into his protection. Christ welcomes us into his provision. And Christ welcomes us into our peace or to his peace. So implicit in this idea of being invited into God's house is the idea of protection, right? Um, Ancient Near East times, travel was not safe. Uh, I was trying to think of a way to compare it, and I was going to say East St. Louis, but anybody who's not been to East St. Louis doesn't really know what East St. Louis is like. Uh, But it's not safe, right? Uh, During the day, it's probably fine, but but ultimately, it's not someplace you just want to go wandering around in the middle of the night because you probably are going to disappear, right? That happened on a regular basis in the ancient Near East. People would travel these roads that weren't lit, they weren't paved, they weren't maintained, and there were robbers everywhere. People would get mugged and beaten and killed, and they would disappear. And disappearing in the desert has got to be terrible. I mean, because where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? It's not like you could just catch a cab or a car would come by soon. You were on your own. And so it was important back then that, that um, travelers be able to, to connect with locals, right, right? When they showed up in a town they had no legal standing in that town. What they needed was to find someone who would put them up for the night who had legal standing in that town. So that person would protect them. Protection was implicit in the idea of hospitality. If you're going to show hospitality to someone, you are protecting them. And if you fail to protect them, the shame is on you. You'd be ostracized and sent out of your you could be ostracized and sent out of your own community. It was important, it was that important to do that for strangers. And and so Christ is calling us into that very same level of protection. He doesn't use the word protection in the passage, but it is implied in the idea of being in God's house. To be in God's house means to be in God's presence. And to be in God's presence means to be safe. Secure. Calm. Nothing ruffles your feathers because what you have Is everything you need. The protection of God is all around you. It's a theme that is constantly repeated in the Bible. I'm just going to give you one example. Psalm 4, 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Only God gives us that true safety. And here, in this passage, in John 14, Jesus is inviting his followers in and saying, bring others with you. It's a big house. Used to be a song. What song was that? Back in the back in the nineties. It's a big, big. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. It's a big, big house where we could play football. You know, uh, it's it's a song that we don't sing here. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm not saying you should. I just was. Okay. All right. right, right, All right. Anyway, Um, we could go into why worship songs are worship songs and why they're not, but let's not do that today. We'll do that on another day. Um, God is inviting us into that protection and saying, it's not just for you, it's for those that you know. Bring them too. Teach them about me, tell them who I am, help them to see that they need me as you know you need me. Jesus did this uh, in a weird way. He starts the passage, right, by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me also. So why, why did Jesus say this? In order to understand that, you've got you to understand what was going on, right? Um, Jesus sensed that his disciples were anxious. I think lots of people today can relate to anxiousness. Jesus sensed that his disciples were anxious. The events of the previous days had been trying, confusing, a little scary. For example. You know they celebrated the Passover together with Jesus. This is the, the this is right before he was dying, and then uh, Jesus predicts his own death. So here you've got this guy you've been following for three years, and you trust him like more than anything in the world, and he says, "I'm going to be going now. This is my time." He confessed his own anxieties. Jesus said, "My my heart is troubled. My soul is troubled." That's unnerving when your leader is going. Uh, guys, I'm a little afraid. I mean, imagine being on a plane. If you're on a plane and the pilot comes on and goes, "Folks, that big bump you felt was no big deal. We'll be fine. We'll be down in a couple minutes." But if he gets up and goes, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> you're gonna go, ah. So Jesus is going. My heart is troubled. That would make me concerned. That would make me concerned. He speaks of a coming darkness. Again, if your leader is saying, uh, things are going to get kind of dark, folks, that's, that's unnerving. He forecasts Peter's denial and Judas's betrayal. The disciples were concerned. The disciples were afraid. The disciples were anxious. They didn't get everything that he was saying. It all seemed so weird for Jesus to be saying these. I mean, he talked, he's veiled things before, but wow. This seems really dark for our Lord. He was always so upbeat. (laughs) He was always the guy that gave us hope. And now he's saying these things that make us go, what's going on? They didn't know everything, but they knew something was wrong. Imagine this. If Jesus were alive today, it would make a great blues song, right? Everything he says would make a really great blues song. Okay. Da-da-da-da-da. My life is ending. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm full of fear. da 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 Darkness is coming. My friends aren't near. You get it? This is Jesus was a blues artist. He was one of the first blues artists. I mean, he was saying, this is gonna be rough. This is gonna be hard. This is gonna be scary. But, but do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Literally, the word is anxious or distressed. Let your hearts be at peace. Even, all, even though all this stuff is coming, let your hearts be at peace. Again, it's this recurring theme. Even at the end of chapter 14 in John, Jesus says, Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. It's all about bringing the peace to the people that are there. He's inviting them into this peace, to this protection, and saying, this is it, guys. It's going to seem dark. It's going to seem terrible, but I'm preparing a place. I'm preparing a place that will be peaceful and wonderful, and it's not just for you, but it's a big place. So invite them, too. Don't be anxious about your life. Jesus says that in Matthew 14. He says, though you'll hear rumors of war, or hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't be anxious. This theme goes on and on. Christ invites his followers in, not just, to, not just to follow him and obey. He certainly wants us to obey. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. But part of that is, is trusting, resting, being at peace, and helping others to find that as well. Because let's face it, it feels like there are a lot of reasons to be anxious these days. And most of you aren't sending your daughter off halfway around the world to go to college. There's a lot of reasons to be anxious. I'm not anxious about that, by the way. I'm just sad. Uh, There's a lot of reasons to be anxious. The world at times seems to be on fire. But I have this really good friend in St. Louis. He's one of the elders at the church that I work at. And he's this really big guy, and he's got this really deep James Earl Jones voice. And uh, he, he says on a regular basis, yes, it seems like the world is on fire at times, but there have always been fires burning. And God has still been God. And God has always invited us in. And God has always loved us and cared for us. So nothing has changed. COVID was a big deal. Huge some of you are still terrified. Some of you are still terrified. It was a big deal, and nobody is knocking that. But the fact is, is if God was God before COVID, God is God after COVID. God is God during COVID. God is God during whatever storm might come. And he's welcoming us in here to this place. To worship, to love, to be cared for, to be built up, to be strengthened, and so that we can invite others into that as well, to experience his peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me also. In other words, have faith in me, trust in me, just as you trusted in the Father, just as you trusted before COVID, trust in him now. Trust in the God who cared for you before. This would have been a shocking thing for Jesus to say back then. We we read this and we go, well, yeah, Jesus is saying, trust him like the Father because he's like the Father. But back then, that would have been blasphemous. For him to say, you can trust me just like you trust the Father. To say, I'm equal with God. I, I, I am God. That's shocking. But he wants it to be shocking because he wants... He wants the people that read this, and he wants us to hear this, that if we've trusted God before, if we trusted God when the, when the sun was shining, then we can trust Jesus now. Rainy outside, not rainy outside, we can trust Jesus now. Trust me. I will keep you safe from all dangers and harms. Doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Doesn't mean life's going to be fair all the time. But the fact of the matter is, it means that when troubles arise, our God will protect us now, just as he has always protected his people. Just as, just as just as, he protected his people when they were leaving Egypt. And they were forced into this big sea. I don't swim very well. That would have been terrifying to me. There's a lake in front of me, and death, or slavery behind me. That would have been terrifying. And the people grumbled. Don't don't get me wrong. They grumbled. But ultimately, they walked out there. They trusted God. God's asking us to do the same thing. He's saying, there's no reason not to. I've proven myself. Why stop now? Think of it like this. You get in your car every day, right? And I suspect, while, while it's a great idea. You should have your brakes checked regularly. That's just a caveat. Have your brakes checked regularly. But we get in our car every day, and I doubt all of us, or maybe any of us, check our brakes. We don't get in and go, okay, backlight's working, front light's working. Is it going to stop me when I start? You know, we, we don't do any of that. We don't get under it and check the pads and make sure the rotors are all right. We don't do that. We just get in the car, and we trust that the brakes are going to work every single day without fail whether we're coming to a slow stop at a crosswalk or we're slamming on our brakes to avoid a child whose ball has run out into the, rolled out into the street or worse, or maybe that's not worse, or, or, or slamming into the back of a truck in front of us or whatever it might be. We trust that those brakes are going to work. We trust so much that the brakes are going to work. We believe so; it's so automatic, it's so part of who we are that we just do it naturally. Nobody has to go, I should slam on the brakes now. I think I'll slam on the brakes. Foot, lift up, slam on the brakes. We don't do that. We just do it naturally. We do it so naturally that we do it even when we're not (laughs) in the driver's seat of the car. Right? Who has ever taught a teenager to drive? (laughs) Yeah, right? First time I ever taught a teenager to drive was my niece, who came to visit us here in San Antonio, probably, I don't know. She she was 15, so it was a long time ago. and she's now got six kids, so it was a long time ago. Uh, she had never driven before. Her parents had never taken her out. Never, ever, ever. And so I thought, well, San Antonio's as good a place as any, right? I mean, wh- why not? Who shouldn't learn to drive in Texas? You're a better driver if you learn to drive in Texas. So I, I, I took her down to Reagan High School. We lived up in Stone Oak, just north of the high school, about a mile. And I took her down to Reagan High School, and I we drove around the parking lot over and over and over. It sound familiar? Hope we did this when you were driving. We drove around the parking lot over and over and over and over again until she got to the point where she wasn't hitting the brakes really hard, and my head wasn't hitting the dash, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> she was ter- making turns slowly. You know, wasn't she? Wasn't panicked? Uh, and I said, "Okay, now you're gonna drive us home." And she's like, "Okay, okay, great." What I didn't count on was the fact that traffic changes everything you know people do what they want to do when they're driving and so they'll pull in front of you and she just the, the anxieties flared up and she was just all nervous and I, I think at one point she started crying I was crying um you know it was it was terrifying there were so many near misses I I, I kid you not I could have put my foot through the floor and stopped the car the way Fred Flintstone does <laughs> you know just because it's terrifying but it's a natural response it's what we do without thinking That's how we respond. Jesus is kind of going, trust me, just like you trust your brakes. You don't think about it. You don't go, can I? Can I really? Is he really going to pull through today? Is he going to protect me? Is he going to get me out of this? Just trust me. I'm better than your brakes. I'm the perfect Midas, so to speak. Uh, Comparing him to another God is probably not the best thing. But you get the idea, right? You get the idea. Trust. Don't fear. Trust. Trust as you've always trusted me. And it's on the basis of that that he says what he says next. He says, in my father's house, there are many, 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 many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back so that you can be where I am. That was paraphrased, but you get the idea. He's inviting us in. He's inviting us into his protection. He's providing us into his provision. The idea of many, many rooms means there is enough for everyone. We can't outgrow God's house. We can't. It's tempting at times to think, well, I can't invite my friends to church because seats are full or, you know, this, this or that. But, but the fact is that seats full doesn't matter. God's going to figure out a way to work that out. You can't outgrow God's house. You can't he's inviting us in into his protection into his provision, and he's telling us you go invite others in as well it's not just for you it's for them that don't know me yet anybody anybody a fan of big bang theory oh, thank you okay good so there, there's a there's a guy in big bang theory who's uh who's this gawky tall um uh, weird uh, physicist. He's a teacher at Caltech, right? And he, he doesn't understand any social conventions whatsoever. He's just confused by sarcasm, and he's confused by all sorts of things. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get humor. He just doesn't get things like that. But the one thing he gets, the thing he always gets right, is, is when someone new comes into his house, when a guest is in his house, especially if the guest is hurting, he offers them something warm to drink. Convention says you offer a warm beverage when someone is upset. That's what you do. What God is doing here is he's, he's, offer, he's calling us in for that warm beverage. In a time when our lives are, are, are crazy, when things seem oh just out of control in the world, he's saying, come in. There's a warm beverage here. Relax. I got this. It's under control hospitality in the near east meant providing in the ancient near east meant providing for the needs of others not just protection but providing for all their other needs providing for a warm shower they didn't have showers but you know a a place to clean up a place to sleep food nourishment god provides those things for us rest cleansing of our sins nourishment in his word Again, we can look back at Psalm 23 and get the same idea. Uh, David says that God goes to prepare a place for him. He prepare a table for him before his enemies. And here Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that no one will be left wanting. It's all connected to bring us to his peace. His glorious, glorious peace the peace that comes through hospitality, the peace of knowing that our sins are forgiven, the peace of knowing that nothing, nothing, nothing could separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the peace that Paul says makes no sense to those that don't have it. Because it's a peace that allows us to be calm when it's storming outside, when COVID is raging, when political people are being political. (laughs) civil unrest, crime, whatever it might be that worries you, that causes your anxiety, he invites us in and says, this peace I give to you, this is why you're here. Come into my peace. Come into my protection. Come into my provision. For us, for you, here at Hope Church, that's, that has a specific meaning. That's a p- specific application that you, can, that you can walk out of here today and you can say, I can do this. I can do this, offering non-believers a safe place to experience God's love and investigate what it means to be a believer. Providing them opportunities. That means you've got to actually put yourself out there and, and have a conversation with them. Providing them opportunities to ask really, really, really uncomfortable questions. Providing them opportunities to wrestle with really, really difficult topics providing them opportunities to share their personal struggles without the fear of being chastised or ostracized or rejected as the world is so prone to do. It used to be something we said here at Hope Church, that God loves you the way you are, uh, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. I don't know if you say that still. today, Um, But but, but that's the idea, right? Offering hospitality as Christians uh, means going out accepting people the way they are but loving them too much to just leave them there there's a lot of people out there folks a whole lot of people san antonio is like 120,000 people bigger than it was when we left here 16 years ago maybe more than that um there's a lot of people out there and all those anxieties that you felt during covid and that you felt during Politics. <laughs> I'm just going to say politics. You felt during politics, and you felt during uh, uh, you know you know when you watch the news at night, they feel it too, and they don't have anywhere to go, and so they get angry, and they get upset, and they take it out on the people around them. Facebook, particularly, Twitter, wherever you want to go to, you know, whatever your thing is, um, there are a lot of people out there, and they need Christ and they need the peace that you may not feel all the time but you can they need that too and Christ is calling us to welcome welcome them into that as well that that open door policy that my parents started many many years ago like I said it remained intact uh, until my mother sold the house a couple years ago my dad died in 1992 my mom remained there until I think 2018 maybe 2019 and then she moved in with my sister but up to that time I can't tell you how many people just continued to stream through the house. Some people my mother had never met before they might have been friends of my sister and they were there to meet my sister, but my sister wasn't there yet and so they'd just come on in, they'd sit, they'd talk, they'd get a warm beverage or whatever it was that they needed and i don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna paint this picture that might how our house was. Paradise, or that my parents were perfect, or anything like that—they were far from it. Our family was nowhere near perfect. But what we, what what I see in that, what I see in that is this little glimpse of of the hospitality that God calls His people into. It's just a warm place you want to be. I still have fond memories of being in that living room with my parents and with people that they knew and people my friends and my k- my siblings and, uh, and so on, and just being being able to relax and enjoy and say, oh, I wish I was a kid again. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that for people. It ain't that hard. Christ is calling us to welcome others into that same sort of place. And Hope Church is that type of place. You just got to let others know about it. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you for um, being a welcoming God. We thank you for being a God who loves us the way we are and yet loves us entirely too much to leave us as we are. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us in to, to have our fears calmed, to have our needs met, so that we can feel the peace of being in your presence and knowing that even when things seem dark, even when life is upsetting and troublesome and my anxieties and my fears are raging in my, in my head and my heart, you invite us in that we might know who you are and trust in you deeply. Lord, make each one of us the type of person that, that wants others to know that. Make each one of us the type of person that that is willing to go out and and find those that don't know that yet, to seek out the angry, to seek out the people that seem to be mean, to seek out those that just, oh, we don't want to deal with, but they need you to, and you tell us to find them and to bring them in. Lord, we thank you for the peace that you give us, for the protection, for the provision. We pray that we would build a house of peace, protection, and provision for San Antonio, the United States, for all those around the world that need to know you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Put the table back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Careful. What are you thinking
1: about? No, no problem.